Welcome to the session. This is the Blueprint Soccer Podcast, and I'm your host, Clint. If you find this podcast valuable, please share it with your teammates, friends, and family. Enjoy. And we are live. So this episode is going to be different than previous episodes of the podcast as it won't feature a guest, so bear with me. If you're a regular listener or you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, I hope you have found it to be valuable. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I would recommend checking out some of the previous episodes as I've had some wonderful conversations with my guests. So. This episode won't feature a guest, and if you have listened to previous episodes, you've become accustomed to hearing from players and coaches and their perspectives on certain topics, hearing about certain moments and experiences in their career. Um, But this episode is going to be different in a sense that I'm going to talk a little bit about myself, my background, some of my experiences, and then why I started the podcast. Originally, I never thought about doing an episode like this, but I've had some people reach out and inquire about me and who I am as the host of the podcast. I didn't feel the need to originally do an episode like this because I just wanted to be the host that helped navigate the conversation and share interesting stories um, about the guest and for them to talk about their perspectives and their experiences and I was just here to help facilitate that Um, but then like I said some people started to reach out about who I was and wanted to have a better understanding of where my perspectives came from and after some discussions with some people I've decided to now do this episode so My name is Clint Casso. I am the host of Blueprint Soccer Conversations with Clint. I was born and raised and still reside in New Jersey. In my opinion, one of the best places in this country when it comes to soccer. I know everyone has their arguments as to where the best soccer is, but there's no denying that New Jersey is one of those hotbeds in this country when it comes to soccer. I am so fortunate to have grown up in this part of the country because there are so many great soccer opportunities. Now, let me get into why I started the podcast. I realized that there is a lot of content out there, from podcasts to videos to articles, and I want to thank you for finding the time to listen to this podcast. A lot of podcasts that I have come across and have listened to provide an entertainment aspect and are listened to for enjoyment, especially when it comes to interviews and conversations with players and coaches. The questions or talking points are very specific to that individual. For example, who was your most challenging opponent? Or talking about a specific goal that was scored or playing in a specific game? Or for a coach, how did you identify a specific player for your team? This content can't be applied to another person's life in a productive manner. I wanted to provide an educational uh, and informative content that could provide insight to the listeners, that someone listening could potentially use in their career and give them a perspective on how to think about something. 
I wanted to talk about the challenges and the topics that weren't often talked about. I guess you could call them uh, the lowlights of a career and the moment that changed a career for the better. So often it's just the highlights that are talked about. We see it all over social media today. No one really wants to ask the tough questions or talk about the difficult defining moments. I wanted to provide uh, content that was relative uh, for the listeners, for the next generation of players coming through, um, to inform them and provide and have conversations with people involved in the game that have had really valuable experiences that they could share to help continue to grow this game in the country. I wanted to combine the enjoyable entertainment aspect of uh, what content was already out there and then add uh, and, and prioritize informative um, content that was useful, that people could use in their life, uh, in particular when it comes to soccer. Um, I also wanted to give people uh, and players, coaches, a platform to talk about things that maybe they've only had the opportunity to discuss for a couple of minutes in an interview and didn't really get into the details of it. Um, so giving them that platform to discuss certain situations so people uh, could have a better understanding rather than have uh, outside perception to give them the opportunity to speak firsthand, to have the guest really share um, maybe what they were trying to talk about that they only had a short opportunity to do so. I also wanted to have conversations to help drive this game forward. I, I wanna have bounce ideas around. I wanna clarify situations on maybe how things are perceived and, and share the realities of it to give people things to think about and, and to consider. Um, really it's about the growth of the game and helping the next generation. So that's my motivation to start this podcast. And it's something that I thought about for a while, um, but I wanted to make sure it was prepared properly. Um, so I'm really thankful for the guests that I've had on, some of my closest friends, uh, people in my network uh, that I've developed relationships with throughout my time in this sport for coming on and sharing what they have and giving the insight uh, to the listeners uh, about their experiences and their perception uh, of certain things they've experienced in their career. So I hope you have found it useful so far. That's my goal. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed all my conversations I've had with my guests. I'm learning as I go. I'm trying to make each episode better. Um, and to have those handful of guys uh, that I reached out to initially, Sean, Johnny, uh, Aiden, uh, Adam, Richie, uh, Aaron. I'm so grateful for you guys to be open to coming on and helping me get this off the ground. And I think it's uh, really doing some great things uh, for the listeners and the next generation of players. So again, thank you uh, for helping me get this off the ground. So now a little bit about myself and my background uh, as to who I am as a person and uh, how I'm involved in the sport today. I'm not just a podcaster, uh, I'm a current coach um, and I also work as a scout and uh, a representative for 
professional players in the sport of soccer. So a little bit about my background. I won't bore you about all the little details, but um, I think it's important to express and share how I got started in the sport of soccer because without the start, I'm not where I am today, obviously. And I'm really thankful and grateful for uh, how I got involved in the game. Uh, it was through a family friend uh, that reached out to my mom and said, uh, I think I was six or seven years old, you should get Clint involved in the local town recreational league. And uh, I think I had only been playing t-ball at the time. Um, and my mom came to me and asked if I wanted to, to play soccer and I was all for it for whatever reason. We'll have to talk to her why and how, uh, what my feelings were about my initial introduction to the game, but it was a great one since I'm still involved with it today. Uh, the recreational league was, you know, just the basic foundational um, drills uh, and aspects of the game, dribbling, passing, shooting, uh, finished off each session with some small-sided games and I must have really enjoyed it. It was a good challenge, it was fun. Um, and that following spring, uh, I got involved in the local town team, Kinelon Soccer Club. At the time, the team was uh, combined with two age groups. So I was born in the year 1992, and it was a blessing in disguise at the time. I probably didn't think so. I was playing with uh, kids born in the year 1991, so I was playing up a year. Uh, which was, I think, looking back, really important in my development as a player. I was challenged physically, uh, uh, playing against more athletic kids, faster kids, and having that challenge early on, um, although it was um, maybe a, a jump, I think it was a progressional jump, uh, a smaller step that a lot of kids often take, where I had the recreational experience, enjoyed that, did well, and then played at the local town team where I think sometimes players get ahead of themselves with the jump. And, and circle back to my point of how I was challenged, uh, the next uh, you know, logical progression would have been to just play within my age group and the local town team. Um, but having that challenge physically early on in my career prepared me for some of my other challenges I would face, I think, subconsciously um, with the, the environment that I was in. So got challenged early on at Kinelon Soccer Club, playing against local town teams and uh, against more physical players, uh, which made me grow up a little bit faster. Um, and then things really turned my third grade year uh, of school where it's a funny story. I must have had a really good uh, day at recess. We were playing soccer and a kid comes up to me, ended up being a new kid in town. Uh, one of my best friends still to this day, Brian Gallego, um, comes up to me and at the time didn't have the relationship that I do now. Didn't even really know him. Was the new kid in school and he comes up to me and says, hey, you should come join my team. And I'm like, what is this kid talking about? And uh, he ended up playing for Pasco Stallions. Uh, for the listeners, that is in Wayne, New Jersey. So he moved from Wayne, uh, was still playing for the team in Wayne, 
And um, I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, and little did I know how different it was going to be. So uh, at the time, I thought Wayne was a, a world away. In reality, it's only 15, 20 minutes from Kinalon. And I go down, it's training sessions going on behind a hospital, uh, two large grass fields, and uh, I was the only white kid that was there. Uh, very different from what I was used to in Kinalon. The field was full of different nationalities. Uh, Brian is Colombian, his family is, is from Colombia. The field was full of different nationalities from Colombia to Ecuador, Peruvian, Brazilian. Um, and I think this was so important in my development, continued development as a player. Uh, I think diversity is so important. It's uh, Soccer is obviously the global game and it was the next challenge that I needed. Like I said, I had the experience of uh, more physical, uh, athletic players with my introduction to the game and now playing against South American players that were very good with the ball at their feet. Speed of play was much higher. It was that next challenge that I needed to become a better player. So, yeah, I was called the only gringo on the field. Um, they were so welcoming. Um, really took to it. Loved the environment. Brian's dad, uh, Fernando, was the coach. He uh, provided a great experience for me, a great platform for other players. It was a perfect balance of... Uh, enjoyable and fun yet challenging and sometimes extremely challenging where there were days that we were miserable after practice um, but having that balance where there was that fun factor yet challenging factor is what you really need as a as a young player um, and yeah he challenged us he tested us he pushed our buttons he knew what buttons to press and um, yeah, even though there was that, that challenge, he always put something in front of us um, that we looked forward to trying to achieve. Um, and he then rewarded us. There were many times on the way home from Wayne, back up to New Jersey, where we would stop at Curly's Ice Cream. So a you know, little example, if we completed a, a fitness task, we would get rewarded with Curly's Ice Cream. Don't get me wrong, not every day or every training session was like that, but he uh, he balanced out that that challenging aspect with fun um, and reward uh, at the end. Um, it was a great team. There are some great players on that team. Guys, I'm still extremely close with today. Um, guys, I've had on this podcast. Uh, clubs are lucky uh, and fortunate if they have a player that goes on to play professionally but there was a handful of players that went on to play and have the opportunity at the professional level uh guys i've had on this podcast sean davis obviously one of my best friends the best man at my wedding juan agadello uh who's at inter miami now brian went on to play at portland timbers after college we played with some usl teams a handful of other guys guys that had great experiences and was really successful in college um it was a really fun team uh 
Pasco Steins. I was really fortunate to play there from like nine, 10 years old till up until I was 15. And the soccer landscape was different uh, when I was growing up. I, I know I make that sound like it was so long ago, um, but we competed in state tournaments, uh, regional tournaments, and the national tournaments. It was the time of ODP, where every player looked forward to the ODP events and trying out and getting selected. I, I think that's lacking in today's uh, landscape, especially in the, the youth setup, where everything was earned, or, or mostly everything was earned. Um, sure, there were some politics involved with players getting maybe... Uh, an advantage um, against other players but for the most part uh, it was it was a great setup and it challenged players and it made players earn their opportunities um, and earn spots on teams um, like I said I was so grateful to live in New Jersey but it was also one of the very challenging things when it came to ODP uh, because it was the the tryouts had so many good players um, and it was so difficult to make those teams um, but bigger picture the experience that I had with those players helped me develop and get and and uh, and helped me progress on to, to greater things than ODP um, so ODP I, I'm sure there are listeners that are out there what does ODP stand for since it's kind of taken a backseat to some other um, teams and events in the in the country now but ODP stands for Olympic Development Program and uh, players I think it was like twice a year go down to, to Fort Dix and do a tryout based on the year that they were born and um, yeah, if you were fortunate enough to be selected for the state team, you would go on and compete against other states and you would attend regional events and then players would get selected uh, on a regional basis. So the handful of top players would then from New Jersey then potentially play with players from New York and Connecticut and Maine uh, on the region one team and then compete against other regions in the country. I think it's a great way to identify and select players and uh, have players earn the opportunity to be part of that team rather than maybe uh, play the political game and have players hand selected from each team to then go and compete for for a, a team. But that's for, for a whole nother episode. So yeah, we had a lot of success as a club with Pasco Stallions, which I think is important to note for later uh, later part of this episode uh, we had won state championships to then have the opportunity to go play uh, for regional championships we won a US club national championship um, and uh, yeah it was so fun great team uh, great environment for my development and really helped me on to get to the next level um, which now I'll transition to the high school component uh, or, or part of my career as a student athlete. Like I said, I grew up in Kinelon for the listeners. Kinelon is one of uh, the better, offers one of the better school systems in the state of New Jersey. Um, I had played for the middle school team. I had gone through the whole Kinelon education system from elementary school where I had met Brian to middle school. Um, and then the next logical progression would be obviously high school. Um, but 
I think it's also important to note during my elementary or probably not so much elementary but middle school years I had attended uh, St. Benedict's Prep summer camp uh, soccer summer camp it was one of the best summer camps in the state by far maybe one of the best ones in the country I didn't experience too many throughout the country but it offered an environment for a week sometimes two weeks where all the top players would go and, and compete against each other in camp uh, just get to be together uh, it was like a full full day you'd get to do different activities different drills uh, play small-sided games very different than than how it is today unfortunately it was a place that like I said all the players circled on their calendar uh, and wanted to attend St. Benedict summer camp um, to get the opportunity to compete and connect with different players in the state so I got connected with that through uh, Rick Jacobs who my, uh, my mom and him went to Milburn High School together and uh, he knew I was involved in the sport and uh, invited me down to the camps and that's where it all all kicked off and that's where the opportunity really uh, arose from where uh, growing up in Kinelon, if I didn't have that connection to the to the St. Benedict's camp or and, and to Rick at the time, I'm not sure St. Benedict's would have been an opportunity for me. Um, so let me give you a little background on St. Benedict's uh, for the listeners that are not familiar with it. St. Benedict's is a preparatory school in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, it's one of the most prestigious high schools soccer programs it's one of the most prestigious soccer programs regardless of high school club academy uh, it's produced so many professional players so many great people uh, for the listeners you may be familiar with tab ramos former national team player current head coach of the houston dynamo uh, claudio reyna probably the most uh, world-renowned u.s soccer player that had a long career in europe uh, known as Captain America, still involved in the sport today. Greg Berhalter, who's the current U.S. men's national team head coach, uh, all were student athletes at St. Benedict's Prep, along with uh, a laundry list of other players uh, that went on to have really successful uh, careers in college and at the professional level. So sure enough, during my time in Kinelon and when I started contemplating this decision, there were people in Kinelon telling me that I was crazy to to go down to Newark. That uh, you know, especially with the the high school team, uh, the soccer team, which they knew I wanted to be a part of, telling me that there were players coming from all over the world, all over the state, that I would be fortunate to even play there uh, my senior year, uh, to play on varsity my senior year. Um, and were kind of trying to dissuade me so I could stay within Kinelon and, and play for Kinelon High School. Um, but when I heard that, it was, it was a challenge that I embraced and wanted to, to uh, go after and you know, prove them wrong. Um, so yeah, I probably would have had a great experience and I just let the cat out of the bag there. I ended up going to um, St. Benedict's probably would have had a great experience at Kinelon. It would have maybe been fun to play uh, all four years on varsity um, and to represent the local town team. But um, 
yeah, I, I made the jump to St. Benedict's um, and looking at that bigger picture and, and having that challenge. And again, more diversity uh, is in ha being in that environment, uh, a challenging environment where I didn't mention earlier with the, the list of players uh, from St. Benedict's, but it's a national power. They had won national championships. Uh, they had won... I think at the time, like 25 or 24 uh, state championships in a row for the, the preparatory division. Um, so it was something that I was really looking forward to for that next challenge. It had so much history that I wanted to be a part of. Um, I think it's also important to note during this time, it's a very important time uh, in my career. Um, so like I said, the, the landscape was just starting to change with youth soccer in this country. Uh, our Pasco team was just moved over uh, to fill an age group at New York Red Bull Academy. The academy system was just getting introduced. Red Bull was just starting to build their youth academy. And our team, Pasco Stallions, was just coming off a U.S. club national championship. So we were the top team in the state, top team in the region, top team in the country. So it was one of those decisions uh, that Red Bull made to to offer all the players on our Pasco team the opportunity to just pretty much turn the page and represent St. Ben uh, to represent Red Bull. Um, so we were given that opportunity to represent Red Bull. Um, yet I was still able to play for St. Benedict's. I didn't have to make a decision uh, whether I was going to play academy or I was going to play high school, which I'm so grateful for. And I think this is another important point to make. Players nowadays are asked to choose between high school or academy or playing for their club team, which I think is really unfair and I think is something that uh, has hurt a lot of players. I think representing a high school, sure, there are a lot of high schools that aren't out there, that are, uh, that are out there that provide a very good soccer experience, but there's more to it than just the, the soccer and how you develop and being around maybe good players, uh, a really good coach. You have to represent something more than yourself. Um, and doing and playing for a high school does that. Um, let me explain this a little bit more. Where you represent the student body, you're representing the school, and you may get some backlash following a game that you lose, or you may get a lot of praise when you walk into school the next day following a big game, a big result, and uh, the student body embraces you because you had a great performance, you scored a, a goal that helped the team win. I think it's so important to represent more than just yourself. Today, I think a lot of players, especially in the club environment, are just representing themselves in a sense that they're trying to earn a college scholarship to get, to get recruited for college. And um, I'm not saying this is for all players or all teams, but more so than not, a lot of players are playing for a scholarship to get recruited and to get recruited. Um, so 
having the opportunity to play both club and high school was another blessing. I'm so grateful that I didn't need to choose between either Red Bull or St. Benix because it would have been an extremely difficult decision at the time. And I think it would have been, like I said, an unfair one because they both offered so much. And I'm so glad I didn't have my hands tied and say, look, if you're going to play Red Bull, you can't play at St. Benix. If you play at St. Benix, you can't play for Red Bull. Um, and, and having the ability to experience both platforms was again very important for my development. So let me talk about St. Benix to start and what it offered. I, and I won't go into too much detail because it, it's pretty much, it's unfair to do that to St. Benix. St. Benix deserves, uh, it would be a five hour episode. I wanna really put together uh, a good podcast episode on St. Benedict's. I may have uh, the current head coach, Jimmy Wanling, come on and talk about the program. I've also thought about maybe doing a roundtable discussion with some alumni, uh, what the school offers, but it, it would do the school a disservice if I tried to describe and explain the school in just a short snippet of, the, of this episode. Um, if you're interested in what St. Benix has to offer after, you know, you've listened to this episode um, and are unfamiliar with the program and the school, there's a piece on 60 Minutes that, that CBS did on St. Benix. Uh, I'm sure you can pull it up on YouTube or uh, the 60 Minutes website, but they do an episode on St. Benix, which I would highly recommend checking out uh, if you're interested in learning more about what the school is about and there are other countless videos on YouTube that I am sure you can pull up and, and check out what the program and the school is about. So I'll figure out a good episode to do on St. Benix to discuss the school more in depth with people that are involved with the program and, and, and within the school because I think that's something that should be discussed more due to the platform. It provides to so many players the historical aspect uh, from, like I said, Claudio Reyna and Greg Berhalter to, you know, I played with Juan Agadello there uh, at, at St. Benedict. So um, Brian actually also attended St. Benedict's, me and him, uh, or him and I, let me word that properly drove down from Kinelon to Newark as freshmen sophomores and juniors um, to to Newark. It's about a 45 minute to, to an hour ride depending on traffic. Man, I thought Wayne was far away being 20 minutes away, but Newark was it was twice the distance. So I quickly adjusted and, and learned that it's, it's really not that far away. So we would make the trek every day uh, down to Newark. A great experience, uh, both in the classroom and as a student and then on the field. I did not compete for the varsity uh, my freshman year. And I'm sure people in Kinelon were like, told you so. Um, should have stayed in Kinelon, you would have been on varsity. But there was a bigger picture. Um, and that first year that I was at the school, the program did not have a very good year. It was one of the uh, worst ones in program history. And it's important to note because I will get to another uh, connection that I'll make uh, later in the episode. 
Um, so they, they, they did not have a good year, but it was important for me to be part of that freshman team because I had to take on different leadership uh, aspects for the team. I was a captain. Uh, I had to take on responsibilities, which was very important for me later down the, the road during my time at St. Benedict's. Uh, I got to play with some great players, had a great year uh, after that fall season, obviously got the opportunity then to put on the Red Bull jersey and compete in the U.S. Development Academy. So I got the best of both worlds representing the school um, and, and having the responsibility to carry on the school's tradition uh, and wanting to represent the school to the best of my ability and then playing for Red Bull and representing uh, an MLS club and continuing to, to show well and earn different opportunities and, and begin to, to get recruited and scouted for college. Um, so things progressed throughout high school. Won't bore you with all the, the little details. There's so much to talk about. And um, come my junior year, I really had to make some big decisions in my career as a student athlete. Um, just finished up my junior year at St. Benedict's and was informed by Rick Jacobs, the current head coach at St. Benedict's. One of the big reasons I, I had attended the school had informed me that he had gotten a new job opportunity with the Philadelphia Union, who was just being introduced as a club in MLS. And um, Brian uh, had also gone back to Kinelon at this time. And I was thinking the same thing, like, oh, if you know, Rick's moving on to another opportunity. Brian's gone back to Kinelon. You know, maybe it's a good opportunity for me to experience, uh, you know, quote unquote, normal high school. Um, and uh, I really contemplated the decision. Um, and then after some discussions with Jimmy Wadling, the current head coach at St. Benix, who was a longtime assistant coach with Rick and had already run a bunch of the day to day. Uh, you know, training sessions, uh, preparing for games, was given the, the head coaching job. And we sat down and talked about the, uh, the future of the program and the school. And that's when I made the decision to stay put at St. Benedict's. Um, and uh, it really made me realize that the program is bigger than one person uh, and, and one coach and one player. Uh, it's about the history of the school and uh, so grateful that I, I made the decision to stay put and to finish out uh, what I started. So many kids uh, that I started with as freshmen had transferred out for so many different reasons. Uh, some didn't get the opportunity to play on varsity their sophomore year like I did. And, you know, after your sophomore year, if you don't get the opportunity in preseason or you're part of that fall roster, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to move on because I'll, I'll never play here. Um, other players, like I said, Juan Agadello was there, uh, joined the residency program. Keith Cardona, same thing, a, a player that we grew up playing together at Pasco that went on to play uh in Europe and then with Indy 11 in NASL, um, there were a handful of players that, that transferred and I felt like the, the last one left at the time, even though there were still so many kids that had started as freshmen. But with guys that I grew up with, uh, a handful of Pasco players uh, ended up going to St. Benedict's and then transferring out. So a lot of kids that I 
uh, was friends with growing up had transferred out. So I was like, maybe I'll, I'll do the same. And I'm glad I didn't take that short term approach to to have fun in Kinelon and to to finish out my my career as a student athlete at Kinelon to have that bigger picture in mind of of being involved in the game after soccer and the challenge that I that I wanted to to continue to face. So graduated as a uh, actually let me touch on also why the junior year was important. That same time after the fall, I wasn't playing as much as I would have liked to or needed to during my junior year um, because during that junior year as a lot of the listeners know it's an important time for college so I was really starting the college recruitment process um, and, and needing to play to be identified and um, it was very challenging obviously in the Red Bull environment because there are so many top players all the top players in the state uh, want to go there and um, yeah, there are guys like Sean Davis that was in the team, Juan Agadello, Brian, uh, Brandon Allen, who plays for Memphis 901, Dan Metzger, a very talented group, guys that are still playing today that have had really successful careers as pros. Uh, I would say a majority of the guys on that team went on to have really successful collegiate careers. So it was a really tough environment to earn consistent minutes in Um, and Paul O'Donnell who's still uh, involved with the club today who was the coach of of the team uh, looking back uh, he had a very difficult task in hand when it came to selecting uh, game day rosters Uh, as you know only 11 players can play at a time and he had a more than 11 players he had close to 20 players that were deserving of of minutes and it was it's a tough decision that I've come to really appreciate today uh, especially being a coach with many talented players uh, I've had many headaches of player selection and putting together lineups and keeping players happy it's it's probably one of the toughest things to do especially in an MLS academy because there are top players from all over the state that are probably deserving to play but only 11 can be on the field. So to have that challenge is something that I uh, didn't really consider at the time that I've now, like I said, come to appreciate because I deal with that similar challenge with player selection. Um, but it was Red Bull uh, was, a, was a great environment. It, we didn't have the training facility like the players have today. So you guys that may be playing for Red Bull uh, that are listening, you are very fortunate to have the facility that you do don't take it for granted we were traveling to so many different training facilities from njit in newark to Rutgers, newark to a few different other fields in the area um, because the facility wasn't wasn't built at the time so don't take that facility for granted you guys have a incredible facility um, that you need to take advantage of every day and, and maximize your time there when you do so um yeah, I needed to get more. I needed to play more. Um, so I made the move to PDA, Player Development Academy, one of the other top programs in the country. Uh, I won't even say the state because it's bigger than that. They've won national championships. They're one of the best development academy teams. Sam Nellens does an unbelievable job there, uh, especially considering that he's challenging Red Bull when it comes to players 
players, you know, obviously want to play for the, the pro local professional youth team. Um, but he does a great job of providing a platform for players to go on and get seen and get college opportunities um, and one, is one of the probably best run uh, youth academies in this country. Uh, so I went to PDA my junior year. Again, I played up. Um, it was a great environment, great training environment, great players to, to compete against on a daily basis. It was very challenging because at the time I had just started driving. I was driving from Kinelon to Newark, which is about 45 minutes to an hour, like I said. Then Newark down to Somerset, which is another 45 minutes, potentially an hour, depending on traffic, and then back up from Somerset, New Jersey to Kinelon, which is another 45 minutes. So I was really thrown into the fire there, getting on the road, putting in the miles in, spending a lot of time in the car, which was, was difficult at the time, having to manage school and my performance on the field and um, yeah, not really having the time to to manage uh, you know, homework and, and other extracurricular activities. So uh, I had some really full days, but it all ended up paying off because this is when I think I really started to, to get seen. I was playing on a more consistent basis, which is obviously very important for players to get that consistent playing time week in and week out, game after game. Um, and uh, so grateful for the platform that PDA provided me to continue my growth as a player. So I jumped from Red Bull uh, to PDA my junior year, but stayed put at St. Benedict's and didn't jump ship to uh, back to Kinelon to finish out my high school career, which like I said, I'm so grateful I made that decision and thought about the long-term picture. Um, my senior year was captain for Jimmy, my first year, his first year, sorry. And um, we had a very good year uh, considering the transitional period. There was a lot of question marks uh, about the program. Would it be the same? And uh, I think we did a really good job of continuing the tradition of the program because then the following year, uh, Jimmy won his first national championship in his in his only second year as the head coach. So good things happened in my senior year. I decided to make the jump back to Red Bull and I was given the opportunity to play for Red Bull again. I really missed the environment um, and playing with uh, some of my closest friends still to this date um, and being around other top players in the country as I prepared for college. Um, so I moved back to Red Bull and right after my senior season um, I was of high school I was given the opportunity offered the opportunity to uh, explore the opportunity of attending the University of New Hampshire which at the time I didn't even I never considered attending um, the University I didn't even think about it I didn't I didn't even have it on my radar I always thought about going south or or west for my collegiate experience um, but there was uh, an alumni that was living in New Jersey that presented the uh, opportunity. I went up for a visit. I had a great visit. Um, I think it's important to note that I went on my visit after uh, the season. I didn't get the opportunity to see the, the University of New Hampshire practice or in a game 
and I was solely basing my decision on conversations that I had with the coach. Um, he said a lot of great things about what the the school was planning to do, um, the future of the the program, uh, what they were hoping to achieve, um, and I had a great visit. Uh, the school offered so much uh, that I was looking for. It's a beautiful campus, um, and I made probably the decision a week later after my visit um, to commit to the University of New Hampshire. Um, so finished out my high school career uh, with Red Bull. Uh, we went on and played in, in the national championship uh, tournament that the U.S. Development Academy offered. Um, did not win one of the few Red Bull teams. Uh, funny enough, that didn't, not funny enough actually, that didn't win a national championship but the players like I said that I got to play with was probably the most valuable experience not the potential championships that you could could win um, and still have so many great relationships with those guys today um, so I went up to the University of New Hampshire and everything or most things that were talked about during the recruiting process um, didn't end up happening my first year um, that's why for the listeners, it's so important to really take the time to get out and visit the school while the team is in season. I uh, was in a difficult position because it was tough to get up from New Hampshire or from New Jersey up to New Hampshire with so much going on during the fall season. Um, just couldn't find the time um, and a break in the high school season to get up to New Hampshire to see the team practice or to see them in a game and to see if what was talked about in the recruiting process was in fact true. So I get up there. Uh, things started off pretty well. Preseason went really well. Was one of the, the fittest guys in preseason, which is important to note. Go into preseason fit. I felt good about how I was playing. Um, but the coach was set in his ways with having uh, more experienced guys play um, and guys that had been in and around the program to be given the, the minutes. Um, early on, I actually played because they were non-conference games and the coach didn't prioritize the non-conference games. But as soon as conference play came around, uh, everything changed. Uh, the juniors and the seniors were the ones that were playing regardless of you know performing and performance and training. So uh, things were pretty frustrating that, that first freshman fall. I really contemplated uh, transferring, but uh, like I said, I loved what the school offered. It had so many great things, um, great guys on the team, beautiful campus, great social life. Uh, it offered so much. So I was like, How, okay, I want to make this work. Spring season came around, had a really good spring season, um, was really enjoying my time at the school fall of my sophomore year comes around and we're back to the same story and um, the the program and I didn't have the same aspirations and I wanted to achieve more within the sport and um, I didn't see that happening at the University of New Hampshire unfortunately um, but there is a silver lining in this um, and uh, I'll get to that but I end up putting in my release after my sophomore year uh, at the University of New Hampshire because I wanted to continue playing uh, 
after college. I wanted to stay in the sport somehow, even if I wasn't playing, if that was a coach to be involved in, in a front office, to, to just be in the soccer landscape after I was done. And I didn't see that happening uh, while I was at, if I finished out my career as a student athlete at the University of New Hampshire. So got my release and I started exploring different opportunities. I thought I may go in state or, or go back to New Jersey and uh, you know, go to Rutgers, Ryder, I had conversations with both. Then I started reaching out to friends of mine who were at different schools throughout the country to find out if I could potentially be a fit there and talk about the program and if it was something that they thought made sense. Um, and that's when I had reached out to Brian uh, Gallego, who I mentioned earlier, uh, played with him my whole youth career pretty much from Pasco to Red Bull, a little bit at St. Benix. And he was at the University of Akron. And I was, he mentioned that, yeah, reach out to, to Jared. There was a lot of turnover at the time at the University of Akron. Caleb Porter, who was a longtime head coach, had just gotten the opportunity with Portland Timbers as the head coach in MLS. There were a handful of players that were signing homegrown contracts. Uh, from Will Trapp going to Columbus, DeAndre Yedlin, handful of other players. So there was a lot of turnover. Um, so I had reached out to Jared Embick at the time, who was the, just getting the job as the head coach, somebody who, I, who I've had on this podcast. And um, he responded instantly uh, and was like, yeah, there was an opportunity. And at the time when I had reached out to Brian, I thought it was a stretch. Uh, I didn't think I was potentially a fit um, for the University of Akron. They are obviously a very successful program. Uh, when I was coming out of high school, they had just won their first national championship in 2010. And um, if you told me in high school that I would be playing for the University of Akron, uh, in college, I would have said never in a million years. But Brian was really positive about the opportunity, which I'm really grateful for. He was probably more optimistic than I was. Had some good dialogue with Jared, went out for a visit. Um, not sure who Jared used as a reference uh, to, to talk to for creating the opportunity for me or in finding out who uh, I was as a player and as a person because I'm sure it wasn't my current college coach. Um, we didn't really see eye to eye that well on, on many things, um, but that's okay uh, because to get the opportunity at the University of Akron. So I go out there for a visit, things go really well. Great group of guys, the camaraderie was very similar to, to St. Benix and to Red Bull. And thinking back on it now, as I talk about this, University of Akron is was very similar and is very similar to my setup at New York Red Bull and and St. Benedict's. It's a very similar environment. Um, and I thought, and I'm thinking to myself now, wow, that's a, it was actually it was something that I probably should have considered because in reality, I was prepared to go into an environment like that. Um, so ended up transferring after my sophomore season uh, or sophomore year from the University of Hampshire to uh, the University of Akron. But like I said, there was a silver lining in attending uh, the University of New Hampshire and I'm so glad that I ended up going 
to the University of New Hampshire because I met my wife there. Important to give her a shout out, maybe give her a reason to listen to this episode. It's also important for me to note for the listeners, the coach at the University of New Hampshire when I was a student athlete at the school is no longer the head coach. If you didn't listen to the episode with Mark Hubbard, Mark is the current head coach at UNH. He took over a few years after I had transferred, so I unfortunately missed it working with him uh, by just a few years. He's really got the program in a great place and has really turned it around, and it's so great to see as UNH has a special place in my heart. So now on to University of Akron. So much uh, history, so many great players, um, and it was, again, a very good eye-opener and next challenge for me, being around top players from around the country and from around the world, Um, guys that are now playing professionally, that have had very good professional careers, and uh, the training aspect, the knowledge of the game that I... um, took in during that period uh, was more than I think I took in prior to my whole youth career. Uh, Jared, uh, in the podcast, we discuss it. uh, He's got an unbelievable soccer brain, Uh, one of the best around, uh, and learned so much tactically about the game, which uh, I wish I had learned earlier because who knows how things would have panned out differently. But who knows, irrelevant, I'm able to podcast and, and coach now and do a whole bunch of other things and stay involved in the game. But great experience at the University of Akron. Again, one of those question marks when I was transferring, would I even play there? Is it too big of a jump? It was similar to that Kinelon to St. Benedict's jump um, and uh, ended up getting the opportunity, earning the opportunity to play at the University of Akron, which is a dream come true. Uh, a dream that only started when I transferred from the University of New Hampshire. But uh, great experience, some great teammates, uh, guys, again, that I have very close relationships with today, uh, guys that have uh, been on this podcast that you've you've heard from if you listen to, to previous episodes from Aiden and Richie and Adam, Saad, Brad. Sorry if I missed you. Guys, all you guys are, are great, and thank you so much for coming on and talking about your part of uh, or different experiences you've had in your career. But guys that were at my wedding in, in December just goes to show the, the type of camaraderie we have uh, and had at the university, I think, which makes it so special. Um, uh, the closeness within the group. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody that's from Akron, but uh, most people wouldn't circle Akron on their calendar or on their uh, on the map as a place to go for their collegiate experience. Uh, many people are circling big cities, wanting to go to to places like Miami or LA or you know, somewhere warm, like I said. But um, Akron, it's a special place because, uh, especially for soccer. Uh, the closeness of the group. There's not much else to do uh, at the school. Um, You really get to focus on soccer. Maybe you'll take a ride up to Cleveland, which is about an hour away, go down to Columbus a few weekends. But um, the the experience that you get at Akron in terms of the soccer uh, makes everything else irrelevant based on location 
um, maybe social scene, big city aspect, uh, the cold air coming off Canada, some brutal winters, but it, it was all worth it because of the experience that I gained and learned so much about the game uh, and just continued to grow uh, and have relationships with uh, people involved in the game, which has really helped helped my network uh, of people to, to help continue to influence this game. So after a pretty successful uh, fall uh, senior season, sure, there were MAC championships, uh, both regular season and tournament championships, NCAA appearances, um, but like I said, the, the relationships supersede all those, all those things, which ended up being the, the biggest payoff uh, with where I am today. Sure, like I said, those tournament wins and, and all that were, were great, but um, so many more important parts. So anyway, I, I hope for, uh, I was inquiring about, you know, continuing to play after a, a pretty successful uh career at Akron, relatively speaking. Um, a lot of people, players transfer after their sophomore year, after their freshman sophomore year, because they're not playing there. And funny enough that uh, I jump in junior and senior year, kind of as a, a late bloomer um, to, to, to play. Um, and I, like I said, do pretty well. So I'm trying to play after college and uh, don't get invited to the MLS Combine. Um, but do get invited to some USL preseasons um, and some different combines. Um, and then I really thought about uh, why or if I really wanted to pursue this because I didn't see myself going on and playing in the MLS. Um, I, I saw what it was like to play against the top players in so many different environments. Um, and I really got a good perspective on understanding and realizing talent from my time at Red Bull to my time at St. Benedict's to then at the University of Akron where handful of players each year go on to play professionally and I got to experience playing with those players on a daily basis so I understood what it took I understood the talent level and I thought maybe I could have maybe a handful of years in, in USL um, maybe another lower league somewhere else but um, after you know thinking about the different opportunities I had in front of me uh, in terms of location and pay I wanted to start something more long term um, uh, I didn't want to go to Rochester Rhinos for a couple hundred bucks to a thousand bucks a month plus an apartment and play USL and maybe jump around the league for a few years. So that's when I reached out to Jimmy Wadling, uh, the head coach at St. Benedict's. They had just introduced Cedar Stars Academy Newark, a division of Cedar Stars. And uh, I asked about the opportunity to get into coaching. Uh, at the time, I was still finishing up some of my college courses uh, to graduate. And um, I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to get into coaching as soon as I as soon as I finished up my NCAA eligibility. Um, took on an assistant coaching position within the club, helping out some of the younger teams. But I really wanted to work with older players, particularly high school age players, just coming out of college. 
I really related to that age group and I really wanted to help that age group of players, the 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old player to prepare them for the collegiate experience since I was just coming out of that experience. I wanted to share what I had learned as a player. Um, and I, like I said, been around so many coaches uh, that I wanted to, I pick things from each of the coaches that I wanted to implement as my own style and philosophy. So the real reason I got into coaching is I want to help that next generation of players. Like I said, had so many different coaches. Some did really good. uh, Some did some things really well. Some didn't. And I wanted to implement what I learned from them and combine it all together to pass it along to the players that I now work with. I want continued growth for this country uh, in the sport of soccer. Like I said, I wanted to share my mistakes and help uh, help the players avoid the mistakes that I made, giving them the information that I didn't have. So uh, with that, uh, the same, roughly the same time period, the assistant coach at St. Benedict's was moving on to another opportunity, and I pretty much probably pestered Jimmy uh, into getting that older age group. I think it was a U17 or 18 team at the time. Um, And at the time, I'm sure there were so many other people inquiring about the position and wanting the position uh, to work with such a talented group of players. Um, And Jimmy gave me the responsibility, which again, I'm so grateful for, uh, to work with the, the older age groups and for him to trust me with that uh, talented group of players. And um, that's when I really got my start as a coach, still part-time, I just finished up school. Uh, Probably did a year with uh, Cedar Stars before getting the opportunity full-time. I had also then after that first year been uh, offered the assistant coaching position at St. Benedict's alongside Jimmy. Uh, which was uh, something that I had thought about and wanted to to come back and, and fill those shoes and give back to the, the players uh, that were in the position that I once was not too long ago. Um, so I jumped all over that opportunity. And like I said that uh, in the big, uh, earlier in the podcast, um, that things didn't go well my freshman year. Uh, as a student at St. Benedict's and things went terribly wrong my first year as an assistant coach at St. Benedict's. We had the worst year in the program's history and I honestly thought I was cursed Uh, and uh, it was the first year that the school didn't win a state championship. They were there was a streak of I believe it was 27 or 28 years in a row. lost a handful of games way more than the school had ever lost before and I was like what did I get myself into and um, following that year it's important to note since that first year that uh, that we had together me personally as an assistant coach as part of the staff we have gone on to win three national championships back to back to back um so three national championships in in four years as an assistant so uh things ended up taking a a really positive turn the the first 
year as a full-time head coach with Cedar Stars. I was given the 1999 age group. I'll touch on some important notes to, to talk uh, or to speak on before I wrap up this episode. Um, I won't bore you with any of the, the details, but I think it's important to note some of the coaching highlights so far. Um, I was given the 1999 age group. Uh, like I said, I think it was U17 at the time. My first full year with them, uh, we, have, we went to Dallas Cup 2017. Um, Dallas Cup, I feel like, is a really good barometer uh, for a team and a player because it's one of the most prestigious youth tournaments in the world. Uh, teams from all over the world come to or go to Dallas, Texas to compete in this youth tournament. And we took uh, the 1999s there and uh, we won uh, the U18 age group uh, in 2017 the first uh, team from New Jersey to win um, the tournament. And um, I mention this because it's a special group. Um, and it was my first real experience uh, as a coach. And I learned how to prepare for games um, and to manage games and to manage players and prepare players for extremely demanding environments and, and to compete at an extremely high level. Um, and this accomplishment really speaks for itself. It was something that I could add to my resume as a body of work. Um, but like I said, without Jimmy giving me that opportunity, who knows uh, how things could have panned out. But it was a really special tournament. Um, we returned to Dallas Cup the following year with the same team in 2018 and returned to the finals but lost in penalty kicks. So it goes to show that it wasn't a one-off for this group. Uh, it was a really special group that uh, we prepared properly um, and, and uh, have had players now go on to have really successful collegiate careers. Uh, the University of Akron, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, High Point University, handful of other colleges in the Northeast. And this is one of those other barometers that I gauge myself on on a year-to-year -year basis, on a on a team-to-team -team basis, uh, on the success of players when they go on to college and if they have an impact on their team. Uh, sure, all the the championships and the the wins are great and enjoyable at the moment. Um, like I said, at the University of, of Akron, they were all great, but there's a bigger reward to see those guys go on and then have the careers that they do really goes to show if I'm preparing them. Um, so now you're thinking, okay, this one team had some great experiences um, and maybe was just a, a one-off group. Uh, after these guys cycled out and went on to college, I had the opportunity to take over the 2002 age group, um, which I had for six to seven months at the time before returning to Dallas Cup. I like going to Dallas Cup because uh, of what it gauges uh, within a team and within a player. And the 2002 group went on to the semifinals of the tournament and lost the semifinal 2-1 uh, to Phoenix Rising's Youth Academy. Um, beat a team from Ghana, played teams from 
uh, team from California, uh, Dallas, uh, Solar, one of the top academy teams uh, in the country. Um, so again, really special group, talented group of players, a group that I wish I had uh, a longer opportunity to work with um, because now a handful of them, half the team, are preparing to go off to college. Um, so uh, that pretty much sums up so far my coaching career. It's It's been a short one so far. It's only been five years. Uh, like I said, I only got into coaching into, in 2015, working through some of my licenses, gaining different experiences. Uh, I've had the opportunity in 2019 to work with Cedar Stars Rush, USL2 club, uh, again with college players, trying to really focus in on a specific age group uh, being that U15 through college age group. I like that that group of players and really feel like I can prepare them on for uh, more opportunities. Um, so yeah, I, I play a role with St. Benix, uh, with Cedar Stars, and with Cedar Stars Rush USL. I also uh, work with an agent here in New Jersey. I think this is uh, another funny story that's worth noting. When I was coming out of school, like I said, uh, out of college, I wanted to continue to play at the professional level. Um, and I had reached out to Remy Sharon, who is, uh, is somebody that I still work with today, uh, uh, runs the agency Remington Ellis Management. And I had reached out to him asking to help me find different opportunities, asked him if he wanted to help represent me because uh, he worked or still works with um, some of my friends that I grew up playing with. And uh, I actually did a few events with him while I was in college working on a few different um, uh, events in the soccer space, marketing events. And uh, when I reached out to him to ask about representing me, he said, nah, I don't think so. I'm not gonna gonna work for you. I'd like you to work for, for me. Um, so I started with him in 2015 uh, as a scout and, and getting into the, the recruitment side of things. And he gave me some responsibility to manage the day-to-day -day of uh, some of his players. And he tasked me with building relationships with youth players, youth clubs, uh, brands to help with player engagement. Um, so I've been taking that responsibility on for the last five years as well to help recruit and scout players. My first year with Remy, uh, I was recruiting and helped scout Jack Harrison, uh, which was a, a huge highlight. Definitely going to have Remy on the, the podcast to discuss his industry and being an agent and giving insight to players and families on how to navigate uh, that aspect of, of the sport. Um, so we'll have him on in the coming episodes, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, between coaching and, and being a scout and managing the day-to-day -day and, and having uh, those responsibilities, I've started this podcast and um, if you've made it this far uh, in the episode, I'm really thankful. Like I said, thank you for finding the time with all the content that's out there. Uh, I hope you have a better understanding of who I am as the host and, and how I navigate some of these conversations and where my perspective 
comes from. Uh, something I've just thought about is maybe I'll have you know, somebody come on and we'll discuss some of the, the different things and points I've made in this episode. I'm sure I'll go back and listen to this episode and, and tell myself, why didn't I talk about this and missing points? So maybe I'll do a follow-up episode with one of my close friends uh, that has a good understanding of me that's still involved in the game and we'll discuss some of the points uh, made in this episode more in depth. Uh, Maybe I'll bring up points that I may have missed. So yeah, again, thank you. I hope to continue to have really good conversations, valuable conversations uh, that help push this game forward um, and to, to provide insight and, and information to the listeners to maybe help make a decision um, to give people a perspective on a certain topic and just to have really intelligent conversations and in-depth conversations about different aspects of this sport to continue to, to help it grow. I want to help this country win a World Cup. That is my end goal at the end of the day I would love to help this country win a World Cup in some capacity Um, I don't need to be a manager or a coach of the national team um, but to have an impact a positive impact to keep players playing Um, maybe a player that got some insight from this podcast to keep them playing in the sport or to to coach a player that then goes on to help the national team in whatever capacity just to help this country win a world cup is is my end goal so um yeah i hope this podcast continues to provide value and insight please share with uh who you think will also find it valuable um i want this to to spread in an organic way i want play i want people to benefit from it that's my purpose of it um, and like I said, the insight, I think of an episode with Danny Royer uh, and how I started it with uh, asking him about a quote that was written about him, a title of an article, which um, I know that the person writing the article didn't even talk to him about it, but called him a flop, but didn't really engage with what was going on um, and giving insight to some of the challenges he was facing. Um, so to have those conversations, to to talk to somebody like Mael that I just had on the, the podcast that talks about his experience with transferring uh, colleges and then uh, what was talked about uh, for him to, to sign a, a homegrown deal. Anyway, I won't go into too many details. Check out that episode. There are great episodes out there. I've really enjoyed all my conversations uh, with the guests that have come on. Again, I'm really thankful for them. Thank you for making uh, it through this far uh, in the episode. I hope to have many more conversations, uh, interesting conversations down the line. I have some great guests planned, um, and and I hope you continue to listen to the podcast and share it. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope to have you back on another episode.